Today on Panelism, we're talking about a really beautiful book that rewrites the rules of magic. Panelism, the uh, what is this? This is a podcast. Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf. I'm Taylor Trask. I'm Todd A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some days you just don't know. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's I wonder if the casual listener now probably granted we probably mention on every episode or at least I do. Wonder if the casual listener can ever pick out which episode we have recorded first in the day. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that's something for the super fans to decide like, yeah it just this? gets like you know <laughs> um looser and looser um i think that's a good thing todd yeah i hope so i hope so i i uh i i'm always concerned about how sharp i am on our shows um because on one hand we have this great resource where we're recording on computers and we can look anything up but that also tends to turn you into a bit of a, a lore hound and a nerd mm. and where you're like mm. I've got to have every fact at my fingertips and look this up. And that's just exhausting, man. Or it just massively um, distracts me and we get on 10, ta- 10 tangents that we don't need to, which by the way, we do dear listener, before we record, there's usually about 20 minutes where I just, <laughs> I just free rant about any number of things, Kanye West style. And then it's like, Oh shit, we should probably record. And then Kanye <laughs> West style. <laughs> have you seen his interview on Letterman, man, talk about oh, free association. Yet. That guy is the King. I actually, actually really like that interview, to be honest. Now, fun fact about Kanye West, uh, Taylor and I used to work for him. <laughs> More or less. More or less. Uh, I built his first blog ever wow. um, in, in conjunction with some, uh, some of our colleagues. Of course, they uh, probably told me exactly what to write. Um, I mean, uh, code, because uh, I did not write it. And we, I, I remember that. It was pre-Twitter and he had, yeah. I mean, Twitter was around, I guess, but it was like, hadn't taken off and boy, he had a lot of all caps, a lot of caps lock blog posts. Yep. Um, that was amusing. Those <laughs> were the days. If you want to see what Kanye West website used to look like, type in Kanye University into Google and you'll That's see a screenshot or works. two. No, no, you'll see a screenshot or two. It okay. was like a, uh, like a adult swim cartoon sort of cityscape. And uh, it was insane. I, yeah. I can't believe we built that. That was I mean, that was the thing where I had I had nothing to do with building that because this was in 2007 and it was built totally in flash. That's right. It yeah. was. Yeah. I go ahead and really done a lot of flash sites at that point. So this our, was like a yeah, our colleague Brian wrote that all in action script. Jesus. It was freaking nuts. That was back um, when websites were websites and men were men. Kanye was Kanye. We had to code our sites uphill in the snow. <laughs> oh my god! See what I mean about getting looser? Um, I do feel that way, though. I do feel like that is the that is the the you know somebody has sort of passed into a new threshold of age when it's like that's when websites were websites. Like I I've had that rant a few times now where I'm like, you guys don't understand. You kids don't understand. We used to have to go to a website for everything. Tour dates. <laughs> 
videos there was oh no God. youtube just yeah. went to a website for a video so when someone like kanye west or i don't know michael penn comes in <laughs> it's a site that is utterly unnavigable yeah. yeah it's really weird as a web developer to go you want to hide the tour dates where you know nobody can find them anywhere else <laughs> I don't remember Michael Penn's website. What was that about? Oh my God. He was the one that had the puzzle where uh, (laughs) he was like this weird looking electronic box. It was also all flash. And to get to different sections, you couldn't just press one button. You would have to like flip this lever up and slide this thing over. (laughs) And so it was like a great game, but it was all built in that, that feeling that everyone and people still do this, which is ridiculous. People think every website is like, Oh, people are going to spend so much time on this if it's entertaining. It's like, no, they just want to know when you're on tour, you know. And so his was was this. It, apparently, the feedback we kept getting was, "No, that's too easy to find stuff." Jesus, <laughs> it's like he was auditioning to be a CD-ROM developer, and he wanted to like use this as his kind of his his sandbox. And it may have been to promote a specific album that had sort of a a mystery box, you know, theme to it. I I don't know. I know it was then he, then become a magician. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're a musician, not a magician. <laughs> I mean, if that was if that was the navigation to get into Penn and Teller's fan club, that would be cool, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Not True. hey, I want to see you this weekend. Where are you? Oh, you've got to solve this puzzle and then and it and then summon the enchantress of the deep, and she'll provide a riddle <laughs> that will lead you to a pot of gold, which doesn't include gold, but includes an, another clue. And you're like, ah. yeah. Uh, anyway. uh, looser, getting looser and looser. Um, we have talked about before that that I've been on stage with Penn and Teller, right? And they made a woman appear right yes. next to me. And it was insane. Yes. Um, if that's not on an episode, uh, that's all you're getting. But oh, it, it was, is. No, it, it is. I yeah, I think which so. one. I'm still very jealous from hearing it. Um, proud of you, but jealous all the same for me. So, man, I, I love those guys. I uh, I also, uh, at a book signing, told Penn I was really happy he told the story about his testicle skin falling off in that book. <laughs> but that's another story. If you want to read that, wow. um, I can't remember wow. what book is that in. It's his second. It's not God No, it's the other one. It's the Atheist Holidays one or whatever like that. So, yeah, it's a great story about his, his testicle skin. Well, that was um, panelism today, folks. Enjoy anyway, <laughs> Enjoy your book. We're back and to the kid-friendly uh, broadcasting. Um, I am going to talk about a book called Iscariot. Um, and I'll give you the facts real quick because you have actually previewed a bit of this, so we Uh can jump into it together. Um, the author and artist is, uh, known as S.M. Vidari or Vidari, um, published by Boom, uh, and, and then also listed as Archaea. So I, I don't know if Archaea is always a part of Boom or vice versa or whatever, uh, and debuted in 2015, and it is a just standalone graphic novel. You know, it is just a, a one contained unit that does not continue. Um, I think Arkea, just real quick, I think Arkea is a subsidiary of Boom, which I did uh, not know because in the and I'm looking at the the credits now, the in book credits public mm. published by Arkea, a division of Boom Entertainment. Wow. I didn't know that. I actually I would have picked either. it the other way around, but that yeah, makes seriously. Boom, Boom does make sense to be the bigger one. Um, I wonder why it was double branded or if I just got that off of Amazon. Um, anyway. No, no. Arkea is the primary publishing arm. Though. I did take the back of the book summary from Amazon to read to you, um, but it actually made such a big deal out of his 
past work. Like it wasn't just cited in parentheses and I'm going to skip a whole bunch of it because I'm going to try to get to like what the book's actually about through the summary. Um, uh, but it cites some of his other, some of, uh, Vidaury's other work on other books. And, um, it says you might understand after citing those says you might understand when we say his watercolor stylings are hauntingly beautiful to look at. They have a soft gentleness to them yet can convey the most stark of imagery. His new, uh, I'm assuming this stands for original graphic novel. OGN mm -hmm. has us completely mesmerized once again, invoking comparisons to the legend of Korra and the works of Hayao uh, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. I, I will completely agree with that oh, assessment. Cool. Abs that's uh, when I saw the art, I was like, Oh, that's exactly what this oh, is. Oh, perfect. And um, so here's the story. What it is when Carson, a young girl living with cancer is bestowed with age old magic by a rebellious sorcerer named Iscariot. She must navigate her new powers, face the life she had thought she left behind forever and take on the order of magicians who want to control her destiny. Carson discovers that Iscariot's intentions might not have been as altruistic as it first appeared and learns the hard way that magic comes at a cost. Um, so I, uh, I, I didn't read that actually <laughs> before I read the book. Mm. Uh, this was a, a really rare one that came up for me in a comiXology unlimited. I know we talked about comiXology unlimited all the time, but it was like, you know, on those books you may like, and I kind of just tapped into it, saw the watercolor art and borrowed it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, when we were planning out a show, I, a, a few days earlier, just sat down and read it and went, Oh, Wow. Okay. That's what I'm doing. Um, it was, uh, I, I told you so then, and then because of technical delays, like you've had a chance to look into this and I kind of think we ought to just start with your first impressions on it because you had, you had something that's really easy for me to build off of and, uh, you know, and then kind of further the discussion. So what did yeah. you think? I'm glad we're doing this because I, others may have this impression um, you see the cover, you kind of, you're like, oh, interesting. And it's definitely got that Archaea indie, you know, sort of storybook kind of quality that yeah. a lot of, I mean, good Lord, like, uh, a, 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 a tale of sand is, uh, yeah. is, uh, Archaea other, many other books too. Oh, so it's got, whoa, interesting because did you know that Vidari worked on Jim Henson's, the storyteller witches book? Yeah. The, okay. I, I'd seen that in that giant list of credits. Yeah. Gotcha, I'd seen that, gotcha. um, after I, after I kind of picked it up. I was like, Oh, who's this guy? So it does this thing that every once in a while, um, I see happen in a, in a graphic novel and it always kind of pains me. It does this thing where the first sort of introduction, introduction chapter. Yeah. I guess it's, a, I mean, it's a chapter, um, presents a, a different story that I wish this whole book was. And yeah. I say that because after the sort of introduction, it's kind of a flashback that it opens on. It jumps into the future, and then the rest of the book is all a different timeline. Um, and there's a reason for that. But it's sort of yeah. it, it, the way the art is set up, the color choices, it really lent itself for the story that was being told when the book opened. I was like, oh, I love this. And I think what it changed, I was a little disappointed, and I just never got into the, the primary story. I just it, it dragged on a little too Did long for me. Did you, um, uh, did you bail out like almost immediately once it went to the primary story or, um, did you go, you know, did you go another whole chapter into it? How far do you think you got? I got as far as, um, what was the scene where Iscariot is talking to the wizard council and the old man is, uh, Oh, is whoa. Okay. Gotcha. So I got to about there. Cause I'm like, I just wanted to see, I'm like, well, when do they come back and do it? Right. And then so I was like, Oh God, it's just, it just didn't kind of have the. 
there was an aesthetic to the beginning and because yeah. the color does change, right? Like the color yeah. changes very differently when it kicks in the modern day. So there's an aesthetic in terms of the color, the way the art fits the story being told that I really liked. And then when it changed, not that what it presented was bad. I had just gotten so used to and addicted to that opening that I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, it happens once in a while. Well, I think that's um, – I had a, a similar experience. There were definitely parts where I was – sort of pushing my way through to get to the next page. And then there's a part where all that kind of flipped around on me. So I, that's why I thought it would be good to talk about that. Yeah, please. Uh, I do think one thing that's interesting to note about the story and what, and the, the bit that you pointed out is we, from the prologue, I mean, you can guess that it is like the long past, you know, the distant past, but it doesn't say anything like that. So as mm -hmm. far as we know, this prologue is happening right before the story. And then mm -hmm. we get one of those, I think kind of annoying panels where it says 400 years later and you go 400 years. Oh my God, that is way too far away, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, the, the prologue um, we see this, this uh, obelisk, you know, it looks like the Washington monument um, standing on this seaside cliff and a town burning. And it's all in, in very like rust colored uh, watercolors. And it's just, I mean, the art style is, is, gorgeous really well the, and the town the architect it kind of i mean it wasn't it kind of felt like it might have been ancient rome you didn't yeah, know exactly it, was, it, it had a sort of a timeless but vaguely european quality to it there are a couple of those like uh statues where it's you know the partially collapsed or the the head is sort of caved in and they definitely look like roman emperor you know imperial kind of art yeah, yeah. um and this wizard named ziosh is talking to this little boy named iscariot and he explains that there is the, all their magic is wrapped into the obelisk. Um, and they, and he has to transfer this magic to Iscariot. And so they perform a ritual at this obelisk. But as this is happening, the town is burning and eventually like a, um, a soldier runs up and says, you know, it's, they've taken over the town. We have to get out of here. This ship has just then pulled up cliffside and you see soldiers like load the obelisk on the ship and sail away, you know, to a better life. So that, mm -hmm. that's what's happened. Um, and Iscariot, uh, so the rich, the rituals happened. I, it, it was, there's much later in the book that, uh, um, I, that we find out something happened within that whole scene that's mm -hmm. not talked about and you, and you don't see it. And I think that, that was one of those failings where it kind of flipped on me. Like it, it started, you know, it, it jumps really far ahead. And then there's a part near the end where you find out like details have been withheld from you. And that's, mm. that's always kind of a frustrating thing. Like if you're going to have sort of mysterious clues, you should probably plant them, you know, early on so that mm -hmm. they pay off. Um, but yeah, we jump 400 years later and we meet this young girl named Carson and uh, she is in the hospital with cancer. And she is, uh, she has one friend who's about her age named Adyan and she often meets with this older woman named Mimi who tells her stories about her childhood and, you know, but you just get the idea that they're all living in a cancer ward receiving, uh, you know, treatment or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and you're right. Like the colors change that it is interesting because it, it does, it, you know, it definitely becomes a modern story. Mm -hmm. And so the lines and angles and things change, but because it's still in the watercolor and, um, uh, you know, the, it's just sort of, uh, 
I, I'm trying to avoid using the word limited, but it's, you know, there's a, there's definitely like a watercolor look to it. It's not like all of a sudden it becomes digital art. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It, it, it is a weird mixture of like the time stuff. When we first see Iscariot move into this world, he looks very much like Ziosh did in the prologue where he is mm -hmm. now bald, has this uh, skinny goatee. Um, he's wearing this big flowing like blue purple cape. And there's sort of a, a, a neck thing that they wear. I can't remember what they call that, but like a, a you know, a, a bracer on their neck. And uh, he's floating into the hospital um, and definitely looks like out of place, you know? Uh, so I can see that aesthetic that you, you missed right away. You know, you're mm -hmm. like, and then you're confronted with this, like, Oh, this is kind of weird now. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's Well, here's the thing. I, and I was looking back through it afterwards. And if that it's because the intro is so good that, and, and so of its own sort of design, there's no fault to the author. If this book had just begun with that shot of the, of the cancer ward of the, the, the exterior of the hospital, where it says 400 years later, if it just started there, yeah. I probably would have gotten into it just fine. Wow. But it's, yeah, because it's like, oh, I like this. And I, there's a cadence and sort of a, a, a thing to it. It's just that beginning was so damn good. <laughs> and it's, you well, know, some it, works do also, that with the opening is like, oh, shit, this, is its own, this, this could be its own thing. And also you, you kind of expect that to pay off because it's like the danger is like, like it's such a great prologue where you don't know what's going on, why yeah, the city is yeah. being attacked, why they have to do this ritual right now before they tear the obelisk down and run away. So yeah, you kind of want it to pay off right away. Like what were they running from? And instead it's like so far in the future yeah. and now it's modern times. And you're like, well, I don't know what I care about anymore. You know, I don't, the kid has already grown up. It's an adult who somehow survived 400 years. So yeah, you get that and you're like, well, that's weird. Um, what I found really compelling about this book was, uh, and it does take a long time to get to this point. Um, I actually liked the, it's funny that you bailed out right when, when Iscariot goes back to the council of wizards, because I think that's when the art sort of returns to that oh, Roman medieval okay. style. And to me, I wanted to keep exploring like how that works on the mm -hmm. modern world. It turns out they live on this Island that's sort of completely isolated and floating a flying Island. Mm -hmm. So um, it couldn't be less connected. It's like literally not connected to the world, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a bummer. I mean, I think it's intriguing for sure, you know, a flying floating island. But uh, if it had been more of a Themyscira kind of thing, it might have, you know, been more interesting. If they're, mm -hmm. or, or like, uh, like we saw an end game where, um, uh, 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 oh my God, where does Thor live? You know, where they're, re they're rebuilding Asgard, like <laughs> in the Mediterranean, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it had been something like that, you know, like there's this weird town full of these, you know, old wizards, that would be really kind of interesting. Um, not that it isn't interesting. What I found really compelling about this book and really beautiful was that we find out very far into it that what, uh, sorry, let me back up. Iscariot is visiting this little girl in the hospital who has cancer. And he also visits the old woman that she's friends with. And then he will go away to um, talk to his, like you said, the council of wizards, which is called the empire, but it's spelled with a Y um, very much like a Gandalf, like, Oh, let me set you in the middle of a problem and then I'll leave um, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, but what we find out much later is what he's trying to do is change the way that magic is passed along in the society. And at that moment where all that gets explained, um, 
And I, I think I can say this without spoilers because I think it's, you know, you can still read the book and that doesn't have to be a surprise that that's coming. That will maybe help you get through the, the first part of it is there at that moment where he explains how he's trying to change the way magic has passed on. There is a very brief, but I think like very effective way of explaining the mythology of magic and how much of it had to do with sacrifice, whether it was like sacrificing a living thing or making a sacrifice in order to gain magic. And it, as soon as he said that it like snapped together all the, you know, all these myths and stories and everything. I mean, there's, you know, there's like sort of religious traditions of, of sacrificing animals in order to please your God. There's. Um, the, you know, Norse mythology of Odin sacrificing his eye to achieve wisdom. And there's, you know, there's all this, like, it's a life that's sacrificed or like a, you know, a literal life, or it is a part of your life or a feature or something that's sacrificed in order for you to advance in quote unquote magic. Um, and what Iscariot has been trying to do is, is, uh, change that by going to a place where everyone is like, it is already sort of, uh, you know, uh, predestined that everyone in this, in this hospital, in this particular ward is probably going to die. So mm -hmm. why not go there and plant the magic in someone, give them the chance to live a life and you don't have to take a life. You just can absorb the energy that's already leaving a life, mm -hmm. you know? And at that point it becomes really, really compelling. It's my main overall problem with this is that it just takes so long to get to that point where you're sucked in mm -hmm. and then it resolves so quickly after that. And I, so I really love that you bring up the idea of what if it had just started on that panel that said 400 years later. Mm -hmm. And then when Iscariot is talking to the council of elders, they could do flashbacks back to that prologue mm -hmm. and show like how they got here, how they built the flying city, all yeah, that. Yeah. And, and I think what this would have benefited from throughout and this, I, I mean, you know, it's a wonderful book, like artist, you know, create like creator owned kind of creator curated property. Great. But a different writer working with this artist might have been able to suggest some structural mm. changes to really make the story more effective with the art. And so, yeah, I, I as soon as you said you would you, you weren't because uh, off air, you told me that, you know, you, you got through the prologue and it just didn't really hook you. And I was like, oh, wow that's probably going to fit with what I think about the end of the book and how it, it ends too quickly, you know? Um, and I don't really know a fix for that. And I'm curious mm -hmm. if it's a, like a formatting problem because you, if you are a comic book creator, are you always thinking of things in issues that are, you know, 24 to 32 pages long? And so that's how long every chapter has to be or, um, is it a, you know, a concentration on the art? Is it like a timing issue? I mean, it could be anything. It could literally be like just a budget of time that the artist mm -hmm. doesn't have enough time to go back and draw this, this story out better. But I think there are, there are probably better ways to put it together. Um, because by the time you get to that hook, you're like, I, I don't know. For me, the, the ending of the book went by so much faster because once I was hooked into that new idea of magic, I just... I was in, you know, yeah. and there are these really beautiful parts throughout, like there's a, uh, just motifs in the art. There's a bird motif. Uh, and you know, we see Carson has drawn pictures of particular birds and her mom smokes a cigarette brand that is like Cardinal lights or something like that. Mm -hmm. And Iscariot does a magic trick where he 
turns a candy wrapper into a cardinal that Carson can keep in her room. And it, it keeps turning back into a candy wrapper except when he is coming to visit. So she has this notification that he is about to arrive because all of a sudden a cardinal will sort of poke its head out of her backpack. And, but even beyond that, they're just like little panels of birds or some, or candles, you know, and they all don't necessarily, I mean, maybe to the artist, they represent something specific, but it, 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 you know, it builds on that theme. It like, you feel like I'm in this big connected story. This artist has really thought through all these little details and, I just, I really enjoyed that. And I really love the way that magic is depicted, not in a superhero, like a big blasts of magic kind of thing, but in this pretty sort of like, it's sort of like a flame. It's sort of like a flower. It's golden. And it's sort of like, will swoosh around them. Um, that's, there where is the, like, that's where the Asian influence, I think really comes oh, in, you great. know, like that's Pick why up. in that, in that opening um, sort of summary, it does reference um, Miyazaki, uh, uh, sorry. Well, the the guy runs the guy who co-founded Studio Ghibli, basically that yes, guy. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, the Walt Disney of Studio Ghibli. He's got a very specific kind of sort of open, subtle way of storytelling that a lot of people love, and this this did feel very much in that tradition of of you know just sort of quiet moments. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say that it's not boring, but just like very subtle. Well, it is quiet. Yeah. Very, you know, you know, wind, like the magic is sort of, uh, sort of an amplification of nature. So it's like, yes. they can just sort of, they float uh, effortlessly and they kind of just exist in this sort of harmon- harmonious state. It's not like Dr. Strange whipping a lightning bolt out at people. Exactly. Yeah. There is actually um, one great wizard battle and even that uh, it, it manages not to look like whipping a lightning bolt. And um, just in really subtle ways, like I think it's interesting that the bolts that they shoot at each other or the the magic spells curve, you Mm -hmm. know, and that sort of Mm -hmm. makes it just that little thing makes it interesting. But yeah, I wanted to see so much more about the empire and how they lived and like spend more time on that floating island. Um, And the, 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 there's a sort of strange little like conflict at the end where Carson gets to use her magic powers and we don't, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I guess it's a tempo thing. Like it's just not r- wrapped up in the right tempo. It, it, it needed to be stretched out in some parts and sped up in other parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, so the thing that's like the most frustrating to me actually has nothing to do with the story itself or the artist is that I, because of the way it's painted, the guided view really underserves this like it is just mm, not mm-hmm. meant for guided view this it's is almost one like, where you want the whole page you well know? and i almost want because this is very watercolor heavy i almost wanted to see the texture of the paper mm, under you know like amplifying yeah. that like i almost want this to be hand painted on like parchment so that it has that kind of quality like, i think this is one of those those cases where the digital view is is great for accessibility, but this definitely feels like something you want to actually own. I'm gonna I'm gonna intentionally look for it next time I'm in a shop that's a little higher end, and yeah. just see if they've got it and what it looks like, and I'll report back. That's a great idea because so much of those motifs are like backgrounds to a page where mm-hmm. the panel sequence has been broken up from a a grid that covers the entire page. Yeah. It'll just be like a cross. You know, there'll be like a, here's a series of, of panels going down and a series going across. And in those blank spaces are drawn those motifs of the cracked statue 
statues from the the island from 400 years ago or the mm-hmm. birds or the candles or something like that. So when you're going through guided view, you can mistake those for individual panels, but mm-hmm. they're not. They are yeah. the marginalia of the page. And it and I think in that way it's meant to look much more like an illuminated manuscript. Yeah. Um, and that just doesn't work in guided view. So that the thing that frustrates me so much about that is because this is free to borrow on Comixology Unlimited right now. Mm. And I definitely think you should do that if you're at all intrigued by any of this description and just check it out because it's like you can tell this is a labor of love from this artist and has really cool ideas and some really great art uh that just you know it's not assembled like in the in the best way and i wish i I don't know what i want you know i don't i don't know if i wish comiXology would you know like maybe boom and archaea should have should have somehow put in their code like no this is not going to be viewable in guided view mm. you're gonna have to go through the full pages and do you know ex- finger pinches to expand it or something there are two other books that have a similar th- sort of thing and you can't get them on comiXology you can only get them as kindle digital books oh um for that very reason where you can't z- you can zoom in you can pinch and zoom but you can't there's no sort of guided view or, or, or cover view or anything like that. It's for that purpose. Cause it's, it, it, the whole thing has to function as one full thing. So it's, yeah, I, I mean, in some cases I see why they did it. Cause they can get more exposure. I think they pay royalties out of comiXology much like Spotify does. Right. Depending on like your, your use and stuff. So that's great, but man, there should have been a promo code or something like, Hey, get 10% off like a killer physical uh, copy of this just to emphasize that reading condition. Yeah, that um, yeah, this is especially with a lot of the stuff we've been covering lately. This is the rare thing that sticks out. That's like I, you know, it, it's so hard because I would say don't read it digitally. But if you are an unlimited member on Comicsology, it's free to read right now. So that's a great way to check it out. But yeah, I'm going to do like you su- suggested and look for this in a comic book shop because, like I said, I was totally unaware of this. Didn't know the creator. Didn't know any of this work. Um, I will keep an eye out for his other works that are mentioned in that Amazon book description. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, Archaea is a, they're kind of like that. I say this about a lot of publishers, but they, they are really like that, that amazing, like, you know how some comics publishers are like the killer indie label, um, from like the seventies or eighties. Oh you know, yeah. Yeah. Like, and this would be like, I think Archaea is like that killer jazz label that like the, the best of the best, like, you know, in, in whiplash when um, <laughs> his character's like, you know, you could be a blue note signee. Archaea is like the blue note of the comics world where it's like, Ooh, shit. Like only the, only a, <laughs> the best sort of artists, you know, at, at, at that level real, you know, where it's, there's a, yeah. a, a technical finesse, I think, you know, and drawn in quarterly, obviously it, every, every publisher has that going on, but Archaea specializes in that. Yeah, I, I agree. And it fits so well with the only other Archaea title I know we've covered, which is Mouse Guard. Yep. Um, and this. Well, no, no, Tale of Sand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it does fit with that too. So, um, I, yeah, I, I guess that's where I come down on it. <laughs> check it out if you're an unlimited member or pick it up at a shop and check it out. Uh, the art is just wonderful. And we will definitely share some of this on our Instagram. Heck yeah. Um, in the meantime, if you want to find more episodes, check us out at panelism.inc. That's panelism.inc. 
also our Instagram handle. Um, tell your friends about the show. Search and subscribe wherever you find podcasts. If you have any feedback, let us know in comment sections or reviews, good or bad. We love all feedback. So please, if you're a friend or a listener, let's uh, reach out. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us what you think. We'll always keep sort of adjusting the show accordingly. In the meantime, I think that's that's all. That's all. That's all I got. That's it. Yeah, we've, we've wrapped this up in a nice, tidy 31 minutes. Hell yeah. Uh, you're on point today, Woo. despite being looser. Um, great. I will uh, talk to you on the next episode. And I'll see you then. Or I will see you at another time. <laughs> do, 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 do. Welcome to Pan. <laughs> <laughs> What's the Henry Zabrowski like metal guitar? <laughs> <laughs> What's really funny is that you, that is a great impression of what is another impression. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that doesn't happen often. It's like, here's my impression of a guitar. Now here's my impression of a guitar.